Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. We are the co-hosts of a podcast called A Thing or Two. It comes out every Monday, and the basic premise is this. We share all the stuff we think more people should know about. So that's apps, recipes, books, the nationwide haagen vanilla bean shortage that nobody else was talking about. Our no one. No one. <laughs> our preferred vacuum brands, of which we have multiples, and critical explorations of our unique approaches to paper towel usage. Listen, we think you're going to like it. A lot of people do. And who's to say you'll be any different? Listen and subscribe wherever it is you listen and subscribe to podcasts. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. everyone. Welcome back. This week, this conversation could not be coming more timely for myself. As many of you know, five years ago, I walked away from an 11-year marriage and had to go through the process of trusting my heart again. And when I met today's guest, we kind of talked while walking and holding coffees and had this brief conversation about what it's like to kind of go through a relationship change and having to trust your heart again. And so I'm very, very excited to bring that conversation into a much bigger way by having her on the podcast. So please welcome Nicole Brienne. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It's just one of these weird things when you talk about divorce or even like big breakups. It's like your soul somehow ties to that person almost immediately. Like that's how I felt when I met you because I was just like, holy crap, there's just, there's so many of us and yet it feels so few that you feel this bond of, you know, you know, you know, you know what it's like to almost, it's not even about the relationship change. It's about how you've come out feeling like yourself and how do you come out grasping who you are and and trusting yourself. So why don't we kind of go back to a little bit of the beginning? I only know like the bits of your story that you've told me. And that's why I'm so excited to kind of be able to bring it into this, into this kind of a conversation. Cause even what you've shared on social media, which has been such a gift, even five years down the road to somebody like me, I just want to kind of dive in and let's, let's chat about your story and, you know, how you've kind of come out of 
such huge relationship life change and coming into trusting your heart again? Well, I got married when I was 20. I had just turned 23, but we had been together since I was 19. So he was my first love. Like I lost my virginity to him and had really had a bunch of, you know, formative years together. I graduated university with him. We were already married. So I really don't even think I knew who I was outside of him, which was very strange. And I mean, looking back, I can see that my relationship with him wasn't very healthy and was very codependent. The biggest thing that I learned going forward, well, I mean, there's a million things I've learned, but one of them was I remember I didn't tell anyone, I don't know about you, but I didn't tell anyone anything until it all ended. Like now I'm a lot more open with knowing that it's okay to have challenges or struggles or things in a marriage. But back then I thought that a marriage had to be kept so sacred that I couldn't even tell anyone that anything was going on, whether that was because I didn't want to risk anyone judging him or feeling a certain way about us. So I just kind of lumped it all into the marriage is hard bracket without really knowing what that meant. And so I took on a lot of like him struggling with like mental illness, him cheating, him, you know, all these things. I just thought like till death do us part, like in sickness and in health, this is what I, what I'm here for. And so when it all ended, I really completely like crumbled and had no idea where to start or like who I even was separate of him because our lives were so intertwined. So yeah, I think that was probably one of the big things for me that was really hard. And obviously there was the added layer of an affair, which I didn't even actually find out about until a month after he had already left me. So it was like, I had just kind of started to like, not heal, but kind of, you know, get a little bit like back on my feet or just kind of started to grieve. And then I found out that there had also been an affair for two years. So for it was two just, years. Yeah. With a coworker. Yeah. On and off for two years, but yeah. I mean, the one thing that I really pulled from that is when you talked about how marriage is hard. And this was a very common theme that I recognized when I was in my marriage and I would try and talk to people about it and I would try and bring up, this doesn't feel quite right or I don't know if this is what we, I thought marriage was. And in a way you're protecting yourself, you're protecting your family, you're taught that you kind of have this mutual bond and respect for each other, that that's, that's a good secret to keep in a way. And then when I would share like these tidbits of like not even giving context, the response from people was always the same. Marriage is hard. And what I know now is that we have no idea what that hard is. We have no idea what we're asking of people when we dismiss them and say, you know, marriage is hard. Yeah, I'm in a new marriage. You're in a new marriage now. There's a vast difference between marriage is hard then and marriage is hard now. Very different. And the one thing like, yes, in your story, there is like an affair and there's this obvious like thing. And this happens a lot too, where people hear of a breakup and it's like this car wreck. 
Nobody has had any context to what that entire drive has been like. We don't know the conversations that have happened. We don't know what has been seen and heard and what sights and sounds have been existing through that car ride. But the moment it crashes, everybody cares about what happened. What happened? Who did what? Who did... Where did this go? And that was always really hard for me that I didn't share why mine ended. And in a way made me almost, this is horrifying to say, but envious that some people had this like catalyst thing that they got to say, well, this is my why, like this is the reason. And then they're like, then you're let off the hook because it seems like so often we have to justify to people why it was too hard in order for it to be allowed that you're able to move on. And I remember during that season, the one thing that I held on to was knowing one other person who had a divorce. And I remember how much everybody talked about her. Like we broke down everything going on in her life. Is she seeing somebody? Is she doing this? Oh, she's dressing differently. Oh, she's clearly like changing herself. She's doing, like we were picking apart every little thing she was doing. Nobody gave a crap what the guy was doing. We were all just picking her apart. What was going on? Why did she leave? Why is all this change happening? And I had to keep in my head the entire time nobody talks about her anymore. Everybody eventually moves past the car wreck. And that was the only piece that I carried with me for that whole time. But now even sitting with you now and talking about it, you realize like we protect so much of a relationship. Then we have to go through a public catastrophe car wreck and somehow come out the other side without the shame that we have carried and the secrets that we've held and now process and move forward knowing that you've been talked about, you've been publicly shamed. There's so many layers to kind of the conversations around divorce without people ever understanding. And for many people, you're not even ever going to know why the car crashed. You're not have no context. And for you, you had, you got to find out why your car crashed to like a month after. Let's talk about like, those early days when you, I feel like mine's a little bit different because I was almost readying myself to leave a relationship and you were kind of had that decided for you. Your, your relationship was ending and it was chosen for you. Let's take a quick pause from the show and I'm going to talk about one of today's sponsors. We've been talking a lot about money lately and kind of getting our money to go further, our spending to go further. This is the time of year where this becomes increasingly important. Many of you have heard my story about years ago how when after a vet bill that we did not see coming happened right before the holidays, I was able to use what? My PC Optimum points to get me through the holiday season. So I'm a huge fan of PC Optimum points and I love redeeming them on free stuff. I mean, who doesn't love redeeming rewards points for free stuff? But if you want to get even more groceries and beauty products for free, well, now you may be able to because PC Financial has a new no monthly fee account that will make you think about money in a whole new way. It's called the PC Money Account. It's a bank account that makes your everyday spending go further. The PC Money Account gets you PC Optimum points for doing everyday things just like your grocery shopping and online shopping, which we're now doing more than ever, especially leading into the holiday season. The PC Money Account is a no monthly fee bank account that makes every dollar of your purchases go further with PC Optimum points. It works like a bank account, but rewards users with 10 PC Optimum points for every dollar they spend anywhere they shop. Anywhere. Then you can earn 25 points in total per dollar spent at Shoppers Drug Mart. And as a welcome bonus, you'll get up to 50 
1,000 points. If you take advantage of introductory offers when setting up your account and adding payroll, direct deposit, or paying your bills online. This is great for Canadians who crave more from their money. The PC Money account can help you. All while rewarding your spending with loyalty points you can actually use. Enjoy free Interact e-transfer services and free withdrawals at PC Financial ATMs across Canada. You can easily sign up for the PC Money account today and start earning PC Optimum points and redeeming them on everyday essentials. Took me only a few minutes to apply, and all you have to do is go to pcfinancial.ca slash papaya. That's pcfinancial.ca slash papaya to open a PC Money account, and you too can start thinking about money in a whole new way. Now let's go back to the show. At that point, how long had you guys been married and what was kind of like those early days of processing that decision being made for you? Those early days of grief, like how would you, how would you kind of describe them? Yeah, at that point we would have been together for, I guess, nine years and married for almost five so, yeah, it's pretty long. I mean, obviously the longest relationship I still have ever been in. Like, I honestly can't remember. I remember having a few photo shoots and just like sobbing all the way there. And then somehow holding it together and then just like sobbing all the way home. But I think I was in denial for a few days. Like, didn't tell anyone. I remember actually texting a friend the night that it happened to see what she was up to. And if she said she was free, then like I was going to tell her, but I didn't want to burden her with like, like if she was out doing something, I didn't want to burden her with this and make her leave her plans. And it turned out she was like with a friend somewhere. So I was like, oh, no problem. And just like cried by myself. I don't think it really hit me until I called my mom. Oh, I remember just making sure she was at home and making sure I didn't want to like tell her when she's like at the grocery store or something because I knew she'd be so sad for me. But I remember just like sobbing into the phone and like, she's just like, are you a lot? Like, is everyone okay? Like, obviously her first concern is, is everyone okay? Is your dog okay? Is Greg okay? Like, is everyone okay? Once that I could get through that, then obviously the first thing she's doing is like, I'll book you a flight home. Like, don't worry about anything. Everything's going to be okay. And that sort of thing, like a classic you know, your mom can just somehow make everything better, which is the amazing thing about moms and parent figures. And even my dad, who's like, I mean, he's he's a very sensitive man, but he grew up on like a farm and he's like Ukrainian. So he doesn't always show it. He was even he texted me that next morning, I remember. And he said something like yesterday was the worst day of your life, but like you you made it. And like today is going to be like, you know, almost just as bad, but you're, you're going to make it through today. And like, you're like all this stuff. And you just, it was like so tender because, you know, sometimes going through something like this forces you to reevaluate like every relationship in your life up until that point, my, I would have considered myself close to a lot of my family, but we hadn't had something where like, I was completely like feeling like naked and vulnerable. And, you know, my mom had to like feed me smoothies. Like I would have just sat there like a zombie and like, done nothing for myself. And I really relied on, yeah, for the first time in my life, I think I really relied on complete, like unconditional love. Like I was giving nothing to them. I was giving nothing, I think, to anyone. Like I I really had days where I like hoped a bus would hit me because I'm like, everyone's life would be easier if I wasn't here because I'm giving nothing, like literally zero. And yet they're still showing up and 
like being there for me. So it was crappy. It was really hard, but I really thought like I would be the first person to die of a broken heart. I'm like, it's going to be me. And everyone's like, "You're good. this is it. They say it can't happen. It's going to happen to me. It has to. I've never felt like this, but it didn't. Obviously, I'm still here. But yeah, it was, it was some hard days for sure. I find one thing that people don't talk about often enough is that during a breakup, it's like you have to mourn a person, but they're still alive existing outside of you. And social media has made that so much harder. Oh my gosh, we should not be allowed. We should not be allowed. That's one of my small blessings that my ex is not on social media, but although I have very much dealt with that emotionally and had that time to do that, it's a totally different world to exist to grieve somebody who is alive. I don't know if it's harder or not. I just know that it's really, really real. And I so relate to you when you say like, you just felt like you were, you were depending on everybody because that was, I felt so much guilt over the fact that through that transformative time, I was so dependent on so many people. And so because I had like the capacity in which I could operate was so small, that I had just basic, basic needs being met. And my friendships were, you know, I think sometimes people are like the pourers into the cup. And sometimes you're just like the one who's like drinking everything that they're pouring out. I felt like I was sucking everybody dry. Like I felt like I was sucking everybody dry and I felt so much guilt. And I remember at one point I had a friend, she was like, I can't handle your divorce anymore because nobody talks to me about my life. They only talk to me about your life. They only ask about how you're doing. And you could just tell she had like hit a point where she was like, this is so much for me. Like, this is a lot for me to take on. And all I could think of is, I don't know how to take on. Like, I just sat there and I was like, I'm so sorry. I remember apologizing that my life was imploding, but I truly felt so guilty for what I had done in the sense that like I had now imposed on my whole family. My mom was now like co-parenting with me. I was living at my parents' house. We were, I was working a lot. So like I had to rely on childcare. I had no real income. So I was relying on financial support. I was relying on people taking me out for meals. I was relying on emotional support that I couldn't give other people. And it was really hard to own being in a season of being a little bit of a bad friend or at least a sucking dry kind of friend. I'm so happy to announce that one of today's sponsors is FX Chocolate. Now, if you've never heard of FX Chocolate before, sorry, if you've never heard of FX Chocolate, it's actually a supplement company that's got chocolate down to a science. So you can close your pill drawer and skip the daily drudge of gulping down pills and upgrade your routine with FX Chocolate. They've created six different supplement variations, Exhale, Focus, Thrive, Defend, Superfood, and Zen, each one lending targeted support to a specific need. Nutraceutical ingredients are packed into handcrafted squares of sugar-free dark chocolate. Chocolate is not only a more enjoyable way to take your supplements, but it also increases your body's ability to absorb supplements, making it more effective. And I think we can all agree that being a human being who exists is hard enough as is. And when and it feels small but mighty to kind of get a gift that taking care of our bodies and getting the nutrients we need doesn't have to be a drag. FX Chocolate is offering today's listeners 20% off their first order. 
So like I mentioned, FX Chocolate is offering today's listeners 20% off their first order. Head on over to fxchocolate.com and use promo code PAPAYA at checkout. That's F-X-C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-E.com and use promo code PAPAYA at checkout. Now let's head back into the show. I had one friendship that actually failed through that season because I couldn't, I couldn't compensate the relationship in a way that they needed because it was such a traumatic time. But I, in knowing a bit of your story, I know that you kind of were able to come out of it with friendship in a way that you've been able to tell others like how they can help a friend through heartbreak. Because I think this is just not something that we know how to do. Like as much as that was a really difficult time to layer a friend breakup on top of a marriage breakup, I would have to say that like, I also understand that we're not equipped with that in friendship. We don't actually know how to help somebody. And a lot of times it's easy to kind of shell up. It's easy to kind of like leave people alone or be like, I don't know what they need. So I'm just going to like leave them be. And you had a friendship that really showed up for you, even when you were the person who couldn't show up for everybody else. And I kind of loved some of the advice that you gave in terms of like being a friend that shows up. So can you tell us a little bit about how that, how that kind of friendship stepped into your breakup season in a way that was really healing for you that helped you kind of get through those early days and then on to the next part of life. Even though this happened, I guess, in 2016, so four years ago, I can't think about Sonia or talk about her. Like I'm already welling up with tears because she's just such a great friend. I really, I have a few amazing friends, but Sonia will always stand out. So the first, I feel like I kind of had three landmark moments where like the first being he left me and then a month later finding out about the affair and some, there was something else, but each of the three times she happened to be away on a business trip, like in New York and LA. And I still just called her anyway, because apparently I just was being selfish and like had no one else to tell. And each time, even then she would go back to her hotel room when she could have been, you know, going out in New York City. Remember when that was allowed back then? And she'd go back to her hotel and she would just stay on the phone with me. Every, so she lives in Calgary, where I'm from. And every single morning on her drive to work, she would call me and she would say, how are we doing today? It was always we. It was always, we're going to get through this. We can do it. How are we doing? And just, yeah. What a language switch. Yeah, I know. I try and do that now for my friends. But back then, it just like, I don't even think it was a conscious thing that I noticed she was doing. It was just like, I just knew that I had her. And, and for her, if you were to ask her how she thought about stepping in for her, it was, what would I miss most about like my current partnership? And it was the sort of, you know, the pillow talk before bed or in the morning, just those recaps of your day. And, and obviously, I'd been living with my now ex for, I'd been with him for almost a decade. So now I'm just completely alone. I have no one to just share my day with or just talk to in that way. And so she just took it upon herself to call me every single day. And we still talk almost every single day, but obviously it's not about that. Like our lives have shifted and we've gone through so many other things. But yeah, every single day she would call me. And in the beginning, I think I would just kind of like cry on the phone. I don't even remember. I probably talked only about myself and cried 
The other beautiful thing that Sonia did was she never judged me for any of my decisions, even things that made no sense to her. And I kind of had a similar experience to you where I sort of lost a friendship through that. And luckily I was able to see that that friend was going through something similar with her parents and she was having a hard time with her dad. And so I think seeing me being a little bit more kind and forgiving to someone in my life who did the same thing and, and she wasn't able to maybe do that was probably hard for her. Like it wasn't about me basically is what I, I could tell, even though it was painful, but Sonia never, her, her love never wavered. And anytime I would say something that I'm sure was like off the walls, like didn't, you know, you're going through a breakup. You don't always make sense. She would just hold space for any thought, any feeling, It didn't matter if I wanted to talk about how much I missed him or it didn't matter if I wanted to talk about how I was choosing to forgive him when a lot of other people thought that that was not a good idea. And I'm sure she wanted to write him 50 million emails getting mad at him like a protective best friend would. But she knew that my heart wanted to stay kind and like stay empathetic towards him, even though he had hurt me. And so she respected that and just knowing that I could be my whole self with her in a time where I didn't even actually know who myself was and everything had been so taken from me was just such like a lovely, lovely. And she already called me today to like give me a pep talk for this. Yeah, she just like, it's, it has never ended. And, And I remember early on, she would ask me like, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you still want to be with him? And I'd be like, 10, 10. And I'd be crying. And all I wanted was to still be with him. And I remember one day when I flew back to Calgary, I spent a month or so there with my family just to kind of like give myself some time. She would just pick me up to run errands. She'd just show up at my parents' house and say, all right, we're going to Costco. And I'd be like, okay. And she'd be having her sweatpants on. So I wouldn't have to feel bad being in my sweatpants. And off we'd go to Costco. She'd play my favorite music and she'd just kind of like get me out of the house. And I distinctly remember driving down Deerfoot, which is like a road in Calgary. And she said on a scale of one to 10, how much do you want to still be with him? And I was like six. And she'd honestly almost stopped the car because she had just been with me. It was like therapy every day. She had been with me and she had watched me slowly, slowly day by day heal. And yeah, just like I, I, I honestly don't know if I would be here or if I, would, I wouldn't be here on this podcast. That's for sure. But I, I don't know like where I would be without Sonia and the other girlfriends in my life who like stepped up in like the most beautiful emotional labor type ways when I was giving nothing. Today's episode is also supported by the team at Vistaprint. And this holiday, Vistaprint are all about helping you create custom gifts that are so personal they could never be re-gifted. I am a huge fan of Vistaprint. I love customized gifts and I love giving things that are personal. Gifts are actually my love language. So I love anything with intention around it. I love feeling thought of, and it doesn't even matter how much somebody spent on me. I love the thought. And we always say that it's the thought that counts. And well, when it comes to Vistaprint and receiving a personal customized gift, you know how much thought and care has gone into it. It means so much when somebody puts a little bit of themselves into what they give you. And it's really nice when it's personable and it means more to receive it. These are the kind of gifts I personally cherish more than anything. And Vistaprint specializes in unregiftable gifts, gifts so unique and personal that you wouldn't dream of passing them on. 
one-off gifts like custom mugs and canvas prints, photo books, and wall calendars. They're the kind of thoughtful gifts you really can't wait to give because they spark so much surprise and joy. At Vistaprint, you can also create your own personalized holiday cards. I've loved using Vistaprint in the past. Always so, so easy. You can just add your photos and messages and adding special finishing touches like embossing foil and scalloped edges. They're always so high quality. So rather than giving an unoriginal gift this holiday, why not make it an unregiftable gift with a custom gift from Vistaprint? Go to vistaprint.com slash papaya and get started on your unregiftable gift. The holidays are coming up. So don't miss your chance to get an unregiftable gift for somebody on your list. Get started today at vistaprint.com slash papaya. Now let's get back to the show. I have a similar type of experience, but it had no background history to it. I had, when I met my friend, Ariana, I was just working, serving at the keg together and I hadn't told anybody like I was, I was two weeks in and literally I had told my sister over text. My parents knew my old mentor, like found out and like called me and, and was like, how are you? And I was like, I'm great. How are you? And she's like, no, how are you? And I was like, oh, my mom called you. (laughs) But I remember I'd been like hiding it. It was just easier to pretend that everything was normal and everything was okay. So that he didn't have to talk about this. But I remember one day I was sitting, what they would call the wood, which is the bar after you're done your shift and everyone kind of sits down and you get to order your meal together and staff kind of are all like filters in after they finish their, their serving. And I remember I had my one coworker, Faye on the one side and Ariana was sitting on the other and we were waiting for our food. And one of them asked me a question about like, oh, like how's like your husband? And I was like, actually, I left him two weeks ago. And I just, something shifted. Like Ariana and I knew each other. Like we worked together, we were coworkers, but something shifted that day. And like, she was like, you know what? My parents like went through a divorce. And like, I remember being through, like going through that as a kid. And like, I just want to let you know, like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be totally fine. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like it meant a lot to hear that. But then we weren't really friends. Like we weren't really friends outside of work. And suddenly she was like, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Do you want to go? And like, hey, like, when's your daughter's birthday party? I'm going to come and help. I want to come help with it. I want to do this. Or do you want to take the kids like to the orchard? This girl was 21 at the time. I was 30. So I'm like, what the hell does this 21-year-old university student that I serve with want anything to do with going to like pumpkin patches and like apple orchards and stuff with my kids? Or like we made Christmas cookies and we just started doing all these things together. What I didn't know at the time was that that was just tangibly showing up. It wasn't fixing my problems. We didn't really talk about my relationship all the time. We didn't do that. She just started showing up and she would do things like, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Can I take Gemma with me and like give you a little break for a little bit? It was tangible actions constantly that when I had nothing to give that I was like, it's so wild now because we're in such a different place. now. We're both like married and having babies with people, but it's like, I'll never forget that because I was like, if I ever have an opportunity in my life where somebody that I even like barely knew, like, but just to be able to show up, I think a lot of times when we feel like friendship, it's a huge responsibility. Yes, I I 100% agree. But our friendship was actually built upon like Costco trips 
and grocery store runs and just doing life together. She's got a crazy career. I have a crazy career. Half the time we even see each other is because we're running, doing an errand together. And that friendship has meant so much to me that we were able to get through so much life stuff and still have a friendship that shows up in tangible ways, even beyond the kind of the hard times in life. And so I think that that's like such a cool story that you have such a similar experience as well, where like she just showed up for you and got you like doing everyday things. And somehow that's insanely therapeutic to have just one normalcy in your day. Your whole life is is exploded, imploded, whatever. To have one normalcy, like going to a store makes you feel human or gets you out of this thought cycle that you might be in. But I've got to circle back to the forgiveness talk because whenever we talk about forgiveness, obviously it always feels like it's about the other person, but we know that it often is not about that other person. It's often about healing ourselves. So walk me through, how did you come to a place to decide or journey through forgiving him? And and it sounds like that happened pretty early on in the process. And, you know, how did you get there? Because I, I talk to women who've been going or going through divorces almost every day. Resentment is like, and I don't say it judgmentally, resentment's really hard. Like it's one of the hardest things to deal with in the world. When I was in therapy, she told me it was one of the most irreversible things you can ever go through because resentment takes ground. Like it breaks ground and it holds and you don't really get past it very easily. The fact that you chose to forgive kind of stopped that process a little bit, I'm sure. So so talk and share a little bit about forgiveness. How, did, how the hell did you even get there? Like, I'm so impressed with you as a human because I'm like, I'm also such a petty bitch. Like, I would do some petty shit. I would be so petty before I would ever go down. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm petty about everything. Like, ask Shane. I, if we have like an argument over like who's taking out the garbage and I take out the garbage, I will like waltz it in front of him. I mean, I'm definitely like, definitely I'm not perfect. I happen to have one moment of kindness, I guess, but I thought you were going to say one moment of pettiness. And I was like, tell me. Oh, no, I, I, I can be petty. Don't, don't you worry. I don't want to fool you. Uh, You're so emotionally involved. Yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, that is uh, sometimes still surprises me, actually. What's awful is that just to paint a nice little picture for you, I was a Lululemon ambassador. I flew back to Toronto from being with my family in Calgary for, I think it was a week to do a couple job interviews, which like I probably don't even know what I talked about in those. That was a mess. And my Lululemon photo shoot. So I was actually in the photos and I had had a couple inquiries, you know, like the contact form on your website where you just fill in those boxes um, and you can type like any email address or whatever. I had had a couple inquiries to my website sort of alluding to this affair. But obviously when you trust someone, they tell you it's nothing or whatever. And so I'm standing in the fitting room at Lululemon, you know, trying on these outfits for my photo shoot that was going to be the next morning. And I see this email pop up and it, it says something like, ask Greg about the couch fuck while you were in town last week. It was better than you ever were. And I was like, I was like, what? Like my, I could feel like my throat and like, I don't even know, like in that moment, everything became a blur. I, I came out of the fitting rooms and I was like, this is all great. Thank you. I'll, I'll bring this to the photo shoot. Like, I don't even know. And 
I'm like walking out of Lululemon and it felt like the world was spinning. And I text him and I'm like, you need to meet me at our place right now. Like we need to talk. I can't be getting another email like this. And that just felt too real, too personal. So we get home and I tell him what the email said. And, and I just knew, I knew something had happened. I knew there was a coworker that I never quite, never quite sat right with me. And when we broke up, I had specifically asked him not to spend time with her. I was like, grieve however you want to grieve, but this is one person that has caused me and you emotional like strain. Can it just not be her? Just not her. And so I knew it was going to be about her, but I just figured something happened kind of maybe since we had split up and or whatever, because it had now been a month. Right. And so I'm trying to be really patient and really calm. And he's like, are you in the do you want to know like the honest truth? Like, are, are you able to take that right now? And so I'm like, of course, thinking like, okay, it's going to be this. And he's like, well, two years ago. And I'm just like, two years, two years ago, like my whole relationship starts flashing before my eyes. Like the Christmas is with my family, the Thanksgiving's with his family, the vacations, the people visiting. Like, I'm like, all that just suddenly felt like a lie. Like I, I can't explain it anymore other than it all felt like it was a lie. And I knew as soon as I started telling my friends and family that I knew everyone would start to make it about them because suddenly they're part of the last two years and they feel like they were lied to and this wasn't true. And, and so I knew that that was going to be hard if I chose to tell people that something washed over me almost immediately that said, if this wasn't about you, like if, if one of your best friends, Nicole came to you and said that they had just cheated on their spouse. What would you do? And I was like, I would be really sad. I would be hurting for both them and their partner, but I would still love them. And I would want to understand what was happening. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate them. I know that if one of my best friends cheated on their spouse, that it, it wouldn't just be that. There would be more to the story. There would be more hurt. There would be more like self-hate, there would be a lot more going on. And so I'm like, if I could offer that unconditional love and kindness to a best friend, why couldn't I offer that to this best friend who also happens to be my husband? Just because it's me that got hurt, I I can't do that? No, that makes no sense. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to choose to be kind and empathetic and try in this moment to understand what happened, knowing that I must have played a part in some way, not that anyone ever deserves to be cheated on, but I obviously am in this marriage. I'm part of like the unhappiness. There's probably selfish reasons too. I think that I'm someone who doesn't really feel very comfortable getting mad. It's not like a, an emotion that I really like. I, I can be very sad and I can be hurt, but mad isn't really my comfort zone. And so I felt like as much as other people might think that I should lash out and get really angry. To me, that felt like he had taken so much from me already. He had taken my time and my life and my heart and my dignity. And the last thing I felt like I didn't want him to take from me was like my kindness. And so that was really important to me to hold on to it. And that was something that I need to do for myself. Obviously, if a friend was going through the same thing, I wouldn't expect that they would have to be kind. I think that's just what I needed to do in my in that moment for myself. But the interesting thing for me was that as I learned his experience, it was actually probably so much 
less bad than the experience I would have made up in my head had I never talked to him. I would have really thought like, oh, she was the most amazing person ever. She was way hotter than me. She was way better than me. They were planning their whole life, this, that, and the other thing. And when you actually talk to someone and you hear, it's never, it's never like that. And it wasn't really nearly as much about me as I would have made it about me. And so I think that really probably helped my, my healing. It did, however, I did have a lot of shame that I carried for a long time with the forgiveness aspect because I felt like I wasn't, I still sometimes struggle with that. I felt like I wasn't strong enough or, you know, if I had been like a better like woman and feminist, like maybe I would have been more mean or done this or that. But for me, that felt like what I had to do to survive. I honestly totally get that because I'm not somebody who's very comfortable getting mad. Like when I get mad, it's more of like, it's such an overwhelming feeling. And I feel like I get mean inside. Like I start to think negatively. I start to feel it. It just doesn't wear very well. And so that emotion is not one that I'm very comfortable with either. And I think that honestly, if you're looking at, and I don't, I think there's a lot of people who have experiences with that emotion who have gained control over it in a really real way where they can harness it and they can use their anger as fuel towards really great things. But when you're not comfortable with it and when that's not there for you, that's that's actually really, really difficult to do. It's really difficult to kind of get mad and stay mad and 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 go through all of that. I, I could have been mad for every day for the last five years. And I think a lot of times I, I just have to like realize sometimes I, I almost have to categorically put my marriage into a chapter and have it be closed. And then like the next page turned and, and I don't need to be mad about that because even though those things happened and it's really unfortunate and it definitely changed me, I also know that I wouldn't be who I am now and I wouldn't be this person who could do that. And I, and I think it speaks a lot into resiliency. And I also think it's totally okay if you got mad as hell and you broke shit. Like it's just so different for everybody, but I don't think there's like a right and wrong way to respond. But I think that that just shows so much like, the fact that you could comprehend and see it as a human being experience and understand that like it's true if somebody if somebody cheats on you it's so easy to make it about you what you look like who you are how your sex is all of the stuff that's so intimate and vulnerable to you feels like it's laid out on a platter let alone somebody emailing you and kind of like forcing that down your throat as like the reason why it doesn't sit well for anybody those are already the things that we doubt about ourselves the most to kind of take that and look at like a human and say like this is a side effect of your shit and some and some part of our shit but it is not a me shit it's not a me shit it's not it's a me a shit. shit that's the title of the podcast now it's the one about how it's not about a me shit <laughs> it's true though and I, I think that's i think that's really powerful that you kind of went that where how do you guys like how did you move forward from there is your do you have any type of relationship with your ex we did we we went to therapy for a bit I mean, I obviously said that I wouldn't be able to be in his life if he stayed with that woman. He agreed and didn't want to anyway. So we stayed, we actually stayed very good friends for probably like two years. And I'd let him like take the dog now and then if I went on vacation and we go for coffee. And I mean, we were in a very unhealthy codependent relationship. And so 
I didn't even really have a lot of friends. Even the other few girlfriends that I made were very similar to you. It was like we had worked together at Lululemon. And then I was like, hi, my husband just left me. Can we like go for dinner? Like I, but it was also really lovely. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I remember thinking like these people didn't know me with him anyways. I had a fresh start almost. It was like, I could be anyone with them. I wasn't Nicole with my ex where in other friendships, I felt like it was all muddled together. Incidentally, about a year ago, a year and a bit, he tried to sue me for the dog. No. Um, yeah. That's yeah. The worst. Isn't that terrible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. That's the With time like, I get it. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. That I did. I didn't I sent a very well-worded email, but that was interesting because I had I had to reopen all the old like wounds again and find all the like paperwork. And, and that time being kind to myself was saying no and, and not, not letting it happen. I mean, we had both moved on. I was now getting married. He's been with someone for a few years. So that was actually almost harder than anything because I felt like my kindness finally did get taken or like I had this one last thing there that I was like, Nicole, who like stayed friends with someone after they cheated, like, and now that was kind of even gone and that was hard to process. But I mean, sometimes I, I would still say that on the whole, it was a success. I mean, you don't have to stay in someone's life forever to, to say that a relationship was a success. And I feel like I've become an entirely different person and learned so much and I wouldn't change any of that, but yeah. So we did, we did have a friendship for a few years, which is very surprising. I remember I dated someone after and it was a really awful breakup. And like, it was my ex-husband who came over and like spent time with me while I was sad. So we really had like a very oddly interesting friendship for a while. You found a new place. And I I worked hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know about you, but the one thing that I feel is very different for our generation is that divorce is a lot more common. It's not that it's anybody's individual thought. I know a lot of times people try and break it down to like, oh, it's because of social media. Oh, it's because women are working. And oh, it's because of all of these things. I think a lot of times it's because we are facing our bullshit a little bit more and we're having to kind of go through it. But that's not to say that I don't feel like this overwhelming feeling of failure when I see these anniversary parties of like 60 years married and all of this stuff. And I recognize like, I will never have that. I have to celebrate two years married. I have to celebrate one year married. Like I will celebrate maybe five years, 10 years, 30 years. And, and that's, if I'm lucky, like, and that's still a successful marriage. Like that's still a successful relationship for us. And you know what, maybe my last relationship wasn't successful, but I also made it through 11 years of learning and digesting and navigating a relationship with somebody. I got three awesome kids and that chapter closed and there's a new one. So it is really hard when you kind of break down that like, yeah, maybe this person wasn't, I'm not going to have a 60th anniversary with this person. I'm not going to have a 60th anniversary with anybody. There's not enough time in my lifetime for that anymore, but you do get to turn the page and and I'm excited in a way, in a way, some parts of me wants to end the story here. I want us both to be like these single women who never needed a man again, but also I think it's so beautiful that there's something about trusting to love again. And that seems like it's such a it's such a weird weird thing to talk about because it's really hard when you got it wrong. It's really I, I shouldn't even say wrong or just like 
it didn't work out. It didn't be, it wasn't what you maybe thought or built up, or maybe it was, and you thought you could fix it. But trusting your heart again is like going through the biggest risk you're going to play ever and doing it in the most vulnerable of ways too. So talk about next steps for you and the relationship you are in now. Something that was important to me when I was single was finding a life that I loved without any romantic partner. I rem- I can't remember where I saw it, but anyone who knows me knows that this is like a quote I love, but someone either sent it to me or something. And it's a quote that said, grief is just love with no place to go. And I just remember reading that. And that was like, the day I read that quote was like the day my life started over. And I remember thinking that how beautiful is it that I could be so sad because that means I have loved so big. And, and, and now I think the same, you know, and it's true, pain and grief and heartbreak, they're all just examples of love. And the more you love someone or a job or a pet or a parent or a relationship, and it, it dies or goes away, the more you loved it, the more like grief you will have. And so I could somehow, maybe it's because I'm like a photographer, very visual person, but I remember visualizing love inside my body and it was being trapped in like the pit of my stomach and it would well up in like my eyes and my throat. And I remember thinking like, it was like pressure building inside me. And and I'm like, how, where can I put this? And so I started to try and like let out the love everywhere I went, whether that was just being like extra nice to to the TTC driver, like extra nice to the person making my coffee or like helping a mom or talking to a mom with a baby because, you know, maybe she hasn't had many adult interactions that day or, you know, now I can start like showing up as a good friend again and a a good sister and a daughter. And I started to try and like put the love back into all the places that I felt like had given me so much love over the last year. Of course, that's when you meet someone because you're just being like your best self. And that's kind of like, the attraction laws or whatever will will bring someone in. But I met Lucas. We had met several years earlier, also through work, but he was a baby. He was a baby intern and I was a married woman. So like there was, there was nothing. It wasn't even like, uh, oh, in another lifetime, it was literally just like I took his headshot for his company. I got brought back to his agency years later and, and we just kind of became friends. We were working on this really weird project together. But I remember feeling really nervous around him. Like, and I don't feel like I'm usually like that. So I'm like, is this what a crush is? Like I haven't had a crush in a hundred years. Like, I don't know. But I had decided, I was like, oh, I I feel like I'm going to spend my life with this person. Like it was like a visceral feeling. And I'm like, well, no wonder I feel nervous. I'm hanging out with my husband and he doesn't know it yet. Like, of course I feel nervous. I told a couple of my friends and they were like, yeah, you're ridiculous, but you're probably right because you have like (laughs) the weirdest intuition ever that you're finally learning to trust. I think this time around with Lucas, I, I really tried to just be myself fully. Like in the past, I would try and bend or adapt or pretend I was into something to try and like make someone like me. I would question if I should send that text because I was the last person to text them or whatever. And with Lucas, I was like, nope, I'm going to be my exact self. And then either he'll like it and that's amazing because I'm just myself 
or he won't. And that's cool too. And we'll just like, we're friends anyway. So whatever. But I always had that comfort of in knowing I, I am my whole self without anyone else, which I never felt in my first marriage. I think you've talked about that before too, but I love Lucas and we're married and we had an amazing private elopement in California and it was perfect and beautiful with like a party once we got back. But I also have the comfort in knowing that I'll be okay if something does ever happen. A lot of people say that life is short and I do believe that, but I remember my ex actually told me once that life is long and that for some reason felt almost more comforting is like, we're always in a rush to like get married or do this or have that, or like get the house and start the job. And, and I'm like, no, life is long. Like I could get married seven more times. Like who knows? Like life is long. Just appreciate what you have while you have it and enjoy it. But no matter what, you'll be okay, Nicole. And like, I would just tell myself that, which is lovely because I think my relationship is a lot more healthy this time. And because we're both our own people individually. And so we feel complete as individuals. And then because of that, we're able to bring more to the relationship, but we don't put all of our, we don't put our whole, like all of our eggs into this one relationship. We have like our own friends, we have shared friends, we have, you know, different things. But also I think something that was really big for me was knowing that I could get hurt again, obviously is hard when you've been hurt the way I had been, but I knew that what I went through could never happen again. Like the exact scenario of being with someone for 10 years, being married, losing your virginity to them and, and having them leave you and, and your first breakup being a divorce, literally my first real breakup was the divorce. Like that situation can never happen again. And even if somehow it could, I already survived it. Like I did, I made it. So am I really going to let my ex win and take away my chance at love again, because I'm too afraid to give my heart to someone again? No, I'm going to, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to, if anything, try and do the opposite. And I almost felt like I had like more love. All that love that I was like, had been like burrowing inside of me was like, I was ready to sprinkle it. I was sprinkling it in friendships and I'm now ready to sprinkle it into like a partnership. So I think that's kind of how I, and I mean, I had people, like I had people now. I had Sonia, I had Brie, I had Robin, I had my friends that were here to support me no matter what happened. And even if I did have my heart broken again, like I would, I would get through it. Brought it up one time on social media and and a couple of people challenged me on it, feeling that it was too cynical about the fact that I now operate in a marriage where divorce is an option. I formerly was in a relationship where it was said all the time, the divorce was like a swear word. Divorce is not an option. Divorce was never going to be an option. Everything is work throughable. That feels like a cage when you're in a bad situation. That does not feel delightful or good. And so Shane has also been divorced and his ex-wife left him, actually also took his dogs, but that's his story. So he's had his own divorce story. I've had mine. And now we've come into this situation. We both kind of had this like we knew very early on there wasn't anywhere else this was going to go. Like this was it. And that was kind of scary. It was certainly scary. And I remember us one time having a conversation and it was probably me that said it, but I remember being like, I want to be married, but I also want to know that this is a choice. I want to wake up every day and know that this is choice. And there is something so beautiful about that for me. It's given me 
And I think everyone processes differently, but for, and for some people, they would want to be in a situation where they felt like they did have that cage where they're like, I'm safe within here and nothing from the outside is going to come into this cage. But for me, I was like, I need that door open all the time because I, I love being able to feel intentional every single day that I know he's here because he chooses to be here. And I know I'm here because I choose to be here. And I know that he's good without me. And I know that I'm good without him. And so how beautiful is it that we actually come together every day in the same home and we sit there and we're like, this is the, this is the one thing that actually blows me away. Even how long we've been together now, almost four years, we often look at each other and just say, I really like you. Like, I actually really love spending time with you. And this is so weird because and quarantine's been a whole different story because our whole relationship, I've always been traveling or he's been doing things. This is the first time we've really been anchored together. And I'm not going to lie. I was a little scared. I was like, oh crap, Like I've been a little bit of a free bird. And now we're in this together. And just this constant choice of like, we choose this again today and look at us waking up and we're choosing it again. And we choose it again and we choose it again. And that is so comforting for me. And I feel like everyone kind of has to has to process and look at their relationships in different ways, but coming out of something like a trauma or a divorce, it's it's so important how you kind of view yourself within it and how you see yourself as whole. And this person is now, you know, if this was a if this was a bank account, they can't be taking, they can't be taking withdrawals and never adding into it. It has to have a bit of a balance, right? It has to remain in a balance that is beneficial for you. Or what are we doing here? Like, what is the point of this? And so it's been such a learning curve. And I think that relationships and failure in relationships have probably been as the hardest things I've ever done and the best things I've ever done. I mean that for friendship and I mean that for marriage. It is by far made me a better partner now, a much more intentional one for sure, but also just like stupidly secure in who I am like stupidly secure. Like you can have, like I, I oftentimes like when I get panicked about like money or if I get worried about like, you know, what happens if like social media goes away and I like don't have a job or like all of these different things that kind of come into your head and make you worry. I'm like, remember the time that I walked away with not a dollar in a bank account, not a home of my own. I didn't even have a car, not even a job. (laughs) And it was like, well, I was working as a server, but no real, like anything. I had no education. I had nothing. And I was like, and those were somehow the happiest days of my life. They were so hard, but they were the happiest because there was something magical about the fact that it was like watching yourself figure it out and knowing that fear is almost more terrifying than going through anything in its own self. Like the fear of change and the fear of loss and the fear of those things is so much worse than actually going through it. That when you go through it, it's like, look at me go, I'm actually doing it. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm waking up and I'm doing it again. And you just keep going. And and I love that about kind of both of our stories that there's just like, there's so much hardness in there and there's so much softness and how it kind of melds together as like this love story that has nothing to do with these men, has nothing to do with your ex and has nothing to do with your husband. Mine has nothing to do with my ex, has nothing to do with my husband, has everything to do with our own individual love stories and how we got through hard things and how we figured out who we are. Well, we started to, and we're continuing to, and how it's kind of like been this journey of trusting your heart, knowing that it all might completely fail. 
reality is. And I know a lot of people listening might be like, you want to hear the story where the happy ending is nobody ever gets hurt. But the the happy ending is you can get hurt and you can keep going. And that's my happy ending. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like every time my heart has been broken, it almost gets like put together just like a little bit bigger than it was before. And I remember distinctly, I went to a Serena Ryder concert right when I met Lucas, where we had like kind of just started dating and I didn't even really know her music, but she has this one song and it was something about like, I have your heart in my hands. And I just remember thinking that Lucas, no matter what would happen, I felt like he was the kind of person that would like keep my heart carefully in his hands. And even if it didn't work out, he would give it back to me like nicer than like he got it almost. And I was like, that's all I need. That's all I need. It doesn't have to work out. We don't have to be together forever, but if we can like take care of each other's hearts while we're together, then like, I'll, then that's all we need, you know? But I feel the exact same way. This, the, my love story has always been my own. And like, look at us, we can talk on the street, walk into our car and have the best heart to heart because once you've gone through stuff like this, you just connect and it's like a club you never wanted to be a part of, but you meet the best, most open people once you're in it. Yeah. You get to know a strength that you never knew existed and you get to be a person that you didn't know you ever could be. I was so dependent on my husband before where like, I didn't even know how to open my own bank account. And I remember sitting in the bank and like tears in my eyes. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I've just never opened a bank account before. And this is a very big deal for me right now. And she was just like, okay, very proud of you. Like, let's walk through it. And I felt like I was a five-year-old child who didn't bring her mom with her, even though I probably asked my mom to come with me that day. And she probably said no. But I very much was like, I, I never had existed in my own self. And these are things that, you know, this is why I love to give myself gold stars all the time because- it's the little shit. It's all the, it's the small stuff that we do that adds up. And, and that speaks to, you know, the moments through that first divorce, like your divorce, when you're going through all, it's all the little things, it's how you show up in friendships. It's the little things. And it's how you get through failure. It's how you kind of get through trusting yourself again. It's not these big momentous things that you figure out. It's like the everyday little tiny stuff that as you go, it kind of collects itself into this story and into this ultimately love story that we've both kind of gotten to experience. And I'm just going to end it with, I'm just really proud of us. Not even kidding. It's, it's weird that it's like, it's literally been five years for me this week. And so I've been really, you know, I love to write. You're a bit of a writer too. Got to go pull back from those emotions to process. And I kind of do this every year. And this year was like, it was a big one for me, just kind of like processing and being like, my gosh, like where my life, like if it wasn't for that, none of this would be. And it's really hard to kind of find appreciation for pain or for hardship or for difficulties in life and and almost honor them and respect them and celebrate them. But in both of our cases, it's it's totally who we are now. Like it's not some like shame burden. It's something that I actually find really comforting to talk about and something really, I, I love talking about it now. I love talking about it with you that day on the street and now being, being able to talk about it in a much bigger way today. It's, it's, it's not a mark on our whole story, but it certainly was a huge part of who we are. And I think that's really cool. So here you're also just like a stellar human. You do a lot of other cool shit. You're a photographer, you're an amazing storyteller on Insta, but how can everyone find you and kind of connect and see your really cool hair that you always have as well? 
I'm a big fan of like the superficial shit as much as I love all the in-depth things as well. But just tell everyone where they can find you and kind of connect with everything that you are. Because even though this is like your story, you're also like a really cool, you've got a really cool like actual life story too. And like with your career and stuff, you've done some really cool shit. So tell everyone where they can find you. I'm mostly on Instagram. I haven't really gone to everywhere else yet. Like, am I too old for TikTok? Like, this is how I feel. Anyway, (laughs) like I'm like, I'm too young to feel too old, but yet I feel too old, you know, but I'm just... Nicole Brienne, N-I-C-O-L-E-B-R-E-A-N-N-E. And yeah, I'm on Instagram. You can always message me. We can go for a social distance walk if you're in the area. I love meeting real people and getting to know different life stories. I know. It was so funny because we met that day on a photo shoot and my operations manager, Haley, was there as well. And she was shooting that day. And I remember like a couple months ago, she was like, yeah, I'm going out with Nicole. I was like, Nicole, what? She was like, yeah. Oh yeah. We talk all the time. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I love that. I love that. I love people who are like that, that you're just a bit of a human connector. So thank you for offering that to people as well. That's very sweet. So I'm going to leave her information in the show notes. Nicole, thank you so much for opening up your story today. I know it's always a lot to unpack, but I know this is going to be so transformative for people listening. And I just appreciate everything that you are and everything that you gave us today. So thank you. And we hope that you have such a great week. We hope there's something that you took away from today. If you know anybody in your life, if you've not ever experienced a heartbreak for yourself, I think we all have, but if this isn't something that's connected for you today, but you know somebody who this does, please share this episode with them. I hope that if even a little token of our stories can help somebody give a little bit of hope to theirs, it's all worth it. So send this their way and uh, we really hope it connects with them too. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.